Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. Oh, yes, I 
chapter 49, verses 1 through 7. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my cause is with the Lord and my reward with God. And now the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob, and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slave of rulers. Kings shall see and stand up, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord, who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. We're blessed today <clears throat> to have Angeliariel Borel with us to sing with the choir. Both she and her mom sing this song very, very well. And I'm glad that she's able to be here today. to the 
mountain because you asked me to up over the clouds to where the sky is blue I could see all around me pray with me please and gracious and loving God may the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight O God our strength and our Redeemer amen how many people here have lost electric power 
since the beginning of this chain of atmospheric rivers. Some of it, okay, about, about a little less than half of us, which, which is actually pretty good. As of Tuesday morning, there were 226,000 people without power in the state of California and tens of thousands in the Bay Area who have been without power at any given stretch of time in this extreme weather. Unfortunately, I haven't lost power in my home. We haven't lost power here at the church. Um, and, but perhaps, like me, you've been following stories of, of hardship from persons who have lost power, persons around the East Bay, some who have returned home from surgeries or lost power for medical equipment not to mention 170,000 unhoused persons for whom electric power is already very limited, coming, their, their power coming from batteries of solar power, which there has been precious little. So if you have been one of those persons who's lost help or you know of someone or lost power and you, or you need help or you know of someone who needs help, please know that we are here at the church and uh, you can come and you can charge and you can get warm and you can also let us know how else we can help you. So if, if you are among per, a person, the persons who have lost power, the words of our first hymn, Arise, shine, for your light has come, probably took on some new meaning. Um, the light in the hymn and the light in our scripture today from Isaiah, of course, is not the magic brought to us by PG&E, but the light of God, which has come and is to be brought to a world in need. As these prophecies of Isaiah were read alongside the birth of Jesus, the incarnation of God, the Christ child was understood as the embodiment of light. And, you know, this is, this is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. And so I, I, have to confess, I have to confess to you today that I really struggle with this, this message. Um, my dissertation included a, a very prominent part about the work and the life of Martin Luther King Jr. And that, that process took me 10 years so the, uh, the, the idea of distilling my understandings and what I know about King's life and work into a message uh, was very difficult. And also, you know, when we think about the life of Martin Luther King Jr., um, he has become such a, a prominent, larger-than-life force and idea in our, in our culture, in this United States culture, a vision of hope, a prophet for our times, that it's almost as if what, what more can be said about this man and his life and his legacy. And so I struggled, and I, I, have, a, I have a sermon there on the pulpit. It's my typical length. Um, it has some good ideas in it. But I have to confess to you that as I, as I was kind of preparing this morning, I had this, this voice came to me in prayer that, set, that was, uh, you have your plans. And then I heard this almost diabolical laugh. <laughs> and then I listened again, and it wasn't, it wasn't diabolical, thank goodness. It was... It was it was that, I think it's the Beatles. We make plans and God laughs. Uh, 
And I thought of the title of this sermon series, Listening to God, Finding Our Way. And so here I am listening to God and offering you some words as they come to me. Um, not without preparation, but in the way that I, I think King had to walk, which was without a path, without a precedent, without a lot of support, but listening for God and finding his way. You know, not, o- not only did King figure prominently in my dissertation, I led an organization before coming to Epworth called Fellowship of Reconciliation. It's the oldest and largest peace and justice organization, interfaith uh, organization in the, in the United States with national chapters all over the, the world. And there were only two organizations that King gave his name to that he joined as a member. One was the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. The other was the Fellowship of Reconciliation. And so because of that, and because uh, Bayard Rustin, who had been the, uh, a staffer at the Fellowship of Reconciliation and, and was, became later the architect of the March on Washington, uh, the March for Jobs and Justice, of course, where King spoke his I Have a Dream speech, uh, because of that, I was invited to speak at the 50th anniversary of uh, the March on Washington that happened at the Lincoln Memorial. And for us in the Fellowship of Reconciliation, King was a guiding force. In our, in our main room, uh, a, a large picture of King was on the mantelpiece. And, and part of our charge was to fulfill his legacy, to carry on his work of uh, building peace, creating the b- beloved community through nonviolence. And one of the ways we did that was through working with uh, college students in what we called campus weekends, brought them to our headquarters in New York. And they actually were not interested in hearing about King. I'll be honest with you. They, they were skeptical. They felt that he had become um, an impossible bar to meet for them in their lives. And um, they felt he, he had, in their words, become whitewashed. And there's a lot of truth in what they were saying because the reality is that King was not popular during his lifetime. He became more popular, uh, you know, as his ministry um, grew and he became, and, and there were successes, but at the beginning he wasn't, he wasn't popular. And um, the challenges that he faced and the edges and the radicalness of what he was sharing at that time have been worn down to a softer edge. And so now as we come to this weekend, 55 years after his death, our challenge is to figure out what that legacy means for us today. He was a Christian, of course, but he was able to transcend the 
exclusivism and particularism and even the dominance of Christian faith in this country and this world. And, and how did he do that? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that he wasn't moving through the world as a Christian or grounding his life and his walk in um, the Christian story. But he uh, had encountered Christians who were not going to help him reach the beloved community. He had encountered Christians who said they were Christians in the South who weren't acting like Christians. And so he had to find a new true north or a different true north or a way that transcended that particularism. And he found that in nonviolence. So I'm reminded of a, a, a story at the beginning of the Montgomery bus boycott where um, he had adopted nonviolence as a tactic uh, for the boycott. He didn't start the boycott. It wasn't his idea, but he was a, leading, uh, a leader in that um, movement. And yet he had uh, armed guards around his house. And one of the, Bayard Rustin and Glenn Smiley, who were from the Fellowship of Reconciliation, came to him and said, Martin, you, you, how, how can you say that you are an advocate of nonviolence when you have armed guards around your house? And he says that it was that time, at that point where he realized that he had to be all in on this way, on this path. And he didn't know where that was going to lead, but that it was about making a commitment to a particular kind of way. And so, again, I ask us at this time, what are we all in on? What's the path that we're following? How are we finding those precepts that allow us to get outside of the particularism of Christianity? Not, not, not to be grounded in our Christianity. Christianity is essential for my life. It's my moral foundation. And yet I don't need for everyone to be a Christian in order to create the beloved community. And for King, that transcendent way, that transcendent framework were the principles of nonviolence. As we here at Epworth seek to be a, an anti-racist church, It is hard to separate out what are the violent dimensions of our, the, the world that we swim in um, and make sure that those are not coming into the ways that we are seeking to create a new community here. And so on this weekend, I ask us to go back to some of the sermons of King, to some of the words of King, and to remember that his way wasn't made. He made the way by walking, and that each of us are asked to step out, to listen, and to accept that we don't always know where the path will lead. And in fact, if we think we know where the path will lead, uh, 
we may hear God laughing. Amen. podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.